Welcome to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Janelle Amos, and in this podcast, we talk about all things, you guessed it, demand generation in a simplified way. We cover the basics of what demand generation is, all the way through to how to get started and how to be successful when launching your demand generation framework. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's dive in. Today, I have the amazing Andrea Lechner-Becker with us, where we're going to be talking about all things tech, metric, demand gens, and the future of CMOs. Andrea is a flexible chameleon who not only loves problem solving, but actually favors the hardest ones. She loves scaling through technology and excels at creating training and thought leadership to bolster emerging communities. But my favorite thing, my absolute favorite thing about Andrea is that she will 100% bring her most authentic, relatable, and honest self to any room. So Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today and for being on this podcast. I'm excited to dive in. No worries. Um, just a, a note that my authentic self likes to swear. So if you like to listen to podcasts in the car with your children, might I suggest maybe holding off on listening to this Warning. particular one? Yeah, until maybe the kids are not in the car because your girl got a mouth on her. So um, I, I will probably drop an F-bomb at some point during this interview. <laughs> I'm here for it all the time. Yeah. Love it. So tell me about your journey, Andrea, Um, your journey in marketing, being a CMO, what led you to being at your current role of leading marketing at Tulio? What are some of the fun things that you've learned along the journey and, you know, that you've accomplished? Yeah. I always describe my career as like one of those pick an adventure books where it's obvious somebody like is going all over the place and there's like no real plan. So I grew up, um, I'm like one of those people who I wanted to be an archeologist because I saw Indiana Jones was one. And I was like, man, that looks amazing. Not realizing he wasn't an archeologist at all. He's a paleontologist. But anyways, <laughs> I, I like went to school because this was the only uh, call it, I picked my college because they're the only place with an archaeology um, degree. And then I went and toured and the archaeology department was like in the basement of the smallest building on campus. And I was like, that's not sexy. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and so then I, I was like, I'll go to school for art. And my parents were like, no, you won't because you're never going to make any money. So you're going to have to do something else. And I was like, well, I can't be like a doctor. Um, and like, I'm not good at science. I'm not good at math. So I guess I'll go into business. So I went into, I went to school for marketing and then I got a minor in art. Um, and so my first job out of college, I ran marketing and sales for an art gallery in Old Town Scottsdale. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. And um, although that seems like, oh my God, Andrea, like, are you going to get to the point that there is a point here, which is that um, you hear a lot in B2B marketing about the alignment between sales and marketing. And when I was at the gallery, I was sales and marketing. So I used to run campaigns in order to help sell stuff. So like Mm -hmm. one of the first campaigns that I ran was basically like improving my database, right? Like improving the amount of data that I had in my database so that I could sell against it. Um, And so I did all of that stuff. I did a bunch of product marketing. I did a bunch of functions that like no one explained to me that this was like, great learning, but I ultimately ended up realizing that I, I, by working for a small company, an art gallery, um, I was able to do sort of all of the functions of a modern day business and be involved at a level that I sort of didn't appreciate at the time. What a blessing that was to really see how a business operates, um, from the ground up. So 
so that was my first job out of college. And then, um, you know, I working at an arcade was great. Um, but I wanted to scale stuff. So like my database at that gallery was 3000 people. <laughs> so like, that's, you know, fun, but not the best thing in the world. And the Phoenix Suns, um, a basketball team, if you don't follow the NBA, um, out here in Phoenix, the basketball, the Phoenix Suns had a op- opening for a database marketing coordinator, which is a fancy term for you're going to run our email campaigns. Um, and I was really interested in that because they had like a 3 million person database and they had technology that that supported it. So when I worked at the art gallery, I like sent emails through Outlook, right? And I would like get responses back and then manually put them into my database. And so working at the Suns was an opportunity to use Eloqua. And so I would say that like my first, um, you know, kind of instinctual career move was saying, working at an art gallery, running sales and marketing, I'm good at it. I really loved it, but it's not real. It doesn't have a lot of legs, right? Like there's, there's the, that's all you're going to do. If you do that for too long, that's all you're really equipped to do. And I really wanted to understand and learn cutting edge technology, which is why I made the jump to go for the suns. Um, and so I stayed there for a year and a half until I'd like learned what I needed from a technology standpoint. I learned um, Microsoft Dynamics, the CRM at that location. And I parlayed that into a job in consulting. So um, totally, this is one of those like fake it till you make it. Don't worry about not being qualified for a job. Just apply like that falls under this career advice. So um, I had no business consulting around how to best use Marketo or salesforce.com. I literally knew nothing about either one of those platforms, but that's that's the job that I took. I was a consultant. People paid me $250 an hour. Um, and I, I did learn how to use Marketo within about a week. Um, once you go from Eloqua to Marketo, it's, it's like a joke. When people say that Marketo is hard to use, I am like, I, I don't know if this job is for you because Marketo is very easy to use compared to Eloqua. I had to learn how to run SQL queries and do all sorts of crazy coding in order to use Eloqua, Marketo's a breeze um, by comparison. And so that's really where I built the majority of my career. I was at um, that company, LeadMD, for 10 years. I was um, promoted into running the consulting team because I was bossing everyone around anyways. And so um, at one point, the CEO said to me, like, do you want to just like take a promotion? And I was like, not really. I like being an individual contributor. I don't really want to manage people. It seems like a pain in the ass. And I don't really like people that much, so no. Um, And he was like, well, you're already basically doing the job, but I'll pay you double and give you a better title and you'll get to do more interesting work with me to build the business. And I was like, oh, that does sound kind of nice. Okay, fine. Um, So I took that job um, and grew the team. I don't know what those stats are. Um, I never really cared, but I basically got the ability to um, learn how to hire, learn how to manage. I failed at a bunch of it a ton of times and, um, you know, I'm a big believer in reflecting and just trying always to get better and better and better. Um, and I think I'm a much better manager and people leader, and I enjoy it a lot more now, um, than I did in my twenties as well. Um, but we built that business, sold it, got acquired, um, ballooned up to about 300 people. And then that's just not for me. So I'm, I'm like a small company person. I like talking to, to the people that I work with. I like knowing things about them and their family. Um, so I think that's my last little piece of, um, sort of how I got here from a career perspective is like, you know, you kind of got to know where your strengths and weaknesses are. And I'm, I'm better scrappy. I'm better with a small budget where I have to prioritize and I can work on, um, and I can have my hands in sort of everything at the beginning and really understand the buyer, connect with our buyers, connect with the ad. I write the copy. I figure out how much it's going to cost. I like 
create all of the benchmarks around a marketing department to start with. I, I really like that type of work, um, which I found through consulting, right? So I did marketing consulting for seven years through a lot of different sizes of companies, a lot of different headquartered companies. There are certain companies headquartered in certain countries around the world that I would not work for again, or of a, at my choice or own volition. Um, so you just learn like what you like and what you don't. And I think that was one of the coolest things about being a consultant is it gives you a lot of opportunity to experiment early in your career so that you can figure out what you really like and what you don't so that you can um, sort of uh, focus on the areas that you think you do your best work, which for me is um, sort of series A, B startup land. Yeah, amazing. That's a lot. Um, and then, so that's really where I am now. So um, Tulio is the company that I work for today. We're a merchandise planning software. So in retail, there's all of these people who you probably don't know when you go to Nordstrom's and you just see the assortment of shoes or blouses or whatever you're looking at. There are people who painstakingly make those decisions and they predict the future or they try to anyways, a year in advance. And so our software helps get them out of Excel spreadsheets where a lot of them are um, frankly kind of stuck today um, and help them build efficiencies and do kind of the same thing that I was able to do in my career by learning marketing automation, which is focus on bigger shit, you know, um, yeah. not have to spend four hours sending out an email blast and planning for a webinar, but being able to do that in 10 minutes and therefore take the other three hours and 50 minutes to do um, something that impacts the business more that the business holds more value in. So that's what I'm up to. Love it. Love it all. Thank you so much for sharing that overview. With the background of leading multiple teams and now knowing your, your sweet spot with smaller budgets and smaller teams, how do you go about determining those goals for the teams that you now manage? Yeah. So I'm a team of one tech technically, right? I'm the only full-time marketer at Tulio. And I'm a big fan of um, understanding where your strengths and weaknesses are. And so for me, you know, everything is an investment. So I, my thing that I say to, especially CEOs, when I talk to them is like, I don't really consider myself a marketer. Like marketing is my discipline, but I really self-identify as an investor. So I'm an investor of my time and time is money. So by time, you can basically make an equation for anything in your life and whether it's worth it or not, are you going to get the ROI of that time investment or are you not? And ROI doesn't always necessarily have to be money when you're talking to a CEO, it probably should be. <laughs> but when you're talking about yourself and sort of like self-actualization, right? Like doing this podcast, I don't expect to, oh my God, it's going to put $4,000 in my pocket. That's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I like you. Um, I want to help you build your brand. It'll make me feel good about myself. Um, it'll help feed my ego if I can help you in any way. Um, I like become, you too, Andrea. <laughs> yeah, become more uh, more successful in your own business. That like that's what I'm in it for, right? So I think um, so. When I think about the team and how to invest and where to spend money and all of those sorts of things, I think the first thing is to just be ruthless with your time and where it is best and not best spent. So. As an example, I don't really know SEO. Like I, I kind of know like six out of 10 what I need to know, but I don't really want to stay up to date with the latest hacks of how to get the most out of SEO. I don't really, you know, I'm not best positioned to do a technical walkthrough of someone of a website and see mm -hmm. like where the gaps are. Like I'm gonna outsource that every time. I don't know PR. I, I again, PR is mostly about relationships, right? So like I'm not gonna spend the time to build relationships with journalists in 
any given area. Like I'm just going to hire somebody to do PR for us. So I think it's important to just be ruthless about where you're really good and where you're not and where um, you could do something yourself, but it's going to be a waste of your time. So that's kind of like my first thing is you got to figure out um, where you get the most bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and then I think you have to assess, you know, the current situation. So like, as an example, you know, Tulio doesn't, you know, there's, there's, first of all, the category of merchandise planning is not a category in and of itself, really, like there's, there's um, some analysts who are thinking about it and talking about it. um, But for the most part, you know, it's part of my job is I have to get branded out. So, um, you know, the way that I think about marketing, which I, you know, marketing is such a great fun discipline because it's not like accounting, right? Like nobody made the rules of how marketers show up, what we measure, how it all looks like we have to figure it out ourselves. Um, and to some extent, some people hate that, right? Like they're like, I just like want it. Like, especially CEOs are like, why does every marketer have a different plan? And it's like, well, because it's, um, not, it's not just science. It's some art too. Um, and so my personal way that I kind of look at marketing is there is brand and then there is growth, right? So I know you're very passionate about demand versus lead. I actually don't care so much about those like terms, but it's basically like, how are you getting money in the door, right? So it's Mm -hmm. things that you can report on. It's your digital ads. It's all of that stuff versus all of the things that are brands. You basically have to assess like, where's my current situation at? Um, Do people know us or like really not. Um, and if they really don't know us, I have to do at least a little bit of brand stuff in order to get into people that are not out, that are out of market. Right. So you basically have people who are currently thinking about or feeling the pain that you're solving for. And then people that are not, I kind of mentioned that most of the people that we're selling Tulio into currently their solution is using Excel or Google sheets. Like, and there are going to be some people that really don't want to change. They have no desire to change. They've built their whole career on mastering spreadsheets, right? Like they're the person in the office that if you have a spreadsheet question, you go to Jane because Jane is the spreadsheet master. And there's a lot of like self-fulfillment and self-actualization that comes from that feeling, right? And like, I don't care how great of a product Tulio is, which it is by the way, but like, you're never going to change Jane's mind. So like, I'm not going to be investing a shit ton of money to try to change her mind when she's not mm-hmm. open to it. So like, that's kind of how I, I think about that next level. And then you have to go like tactics, right? Like, where do I get the most bang for my buck? I'm big into partner marketing. I will always invest um, heavily, heavily in partner marketing because it basically just doubles all of your stuff. It doubles the people that can help you get something done. And it doubles the amount of money you can spend on something. So it's kind of like my very big, like how I think about, um, the, the kind of purpose and like where to focus on, um, from a marketing standpoint and then headcount wise, um, I'm, I'm, I'm the scrappy one. So like, I would rather work 60 to 80 hours a week until I like know what I'm trying to accomplish and where I'm going to have an impact and then invest headcount in that and training somebody. And then I feel more comfortable that I know where my benchmarks are. Right. So I'm not big into like hiring a demand person right away that then they just go off and run. Cause I feel like I need to understand from a strategic perspective, like how do our buyers feel about this? And I just, I'm just a big um, believer and I try to find myself opportunities where I can be backed by a CEO who like, who likes that approach, right? Like I'm going to do everything um, myself with some consultants until I can benchmark it and then scale it. 
Yeah, love that. Super smart approach, by the way. Um, I might have to actually steal that um, for my own business. So let's talk tech stack because you are a operations nerd and a tech stack geek. So I want to know as you transition between these teams, right? And as you navigate your role right now with Tulio, how do you go about after you have that strategy and then kind of that plan outlined, how do you go about selecting that appropriate tech stack? Do you just bring over everything that you favored before from your last roles? Or do you actually try and give new products on the market a chance? Like walk me through your thought process. I'm so intrigued. Uh, well, first of all, I'm sure that every MarTech uh, salesperson is excited that you asked this question. Um, <laughs> I've got Marketo AEs that are very interested in my answer for sure. Um, you know, I think I, I really like new ideas. I like, um, I, I think that in general, I try not to just say, well, this is how I solved for something before. And so therefore this is how I'm going to solve for it again. So Mm -hmm. my approach is definitely not like, here's my tech stack from before, like bringing it over rinse and repeat. Um, I think that I'm interested because I I think part of it too is um, I'm always interested to learn from the folks who have already been in the seat uh, at Tulio. We're very lucky. I've I have a great RevOps partner um, who has a lot of experience in a lot of technologies that I I don't have experience with. Um, I think it would have been hard if um, that person, his name is Nick, if he was like, I hate Salesforce. Like that probably would have been hard. But luckily, he loves Salesforce, so we're on the same page there. Um, I think even with marketing automation, you know, the the truth is that 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 category is not expanding at the speed that I would like it to, mm-hmm. meaning that um, innovation in marketing automation is really not happening. <laughs> so you're so not like, wrong. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not even convinced I need it to be totally honest. So I inherited HubSpot. Um, I am very much in a place of assessing, you know, where does mass email even fall in my strategy? That is like where I'm at. So I, I do not believe in nurture as the B2B um, marketing, I don't know, brethren might say like, and by the way, this is coming from someone who consulted on nurture and like used to believe heavily in it. I think that the way that people want to buy and the uniqueness of them Um, I just don't know that it can be done very well. And if it can't be done well, I don't know that I want to do it at all. Meaning that like the way that I kind of think about it is like, if I send an email to a hundred people and we just say 80% of people in general, because that's kind of the stat is 80% of your audience is not going to be in market at the moment that you are talking to them. So if I have an audience of a hundred people and I take 80 of them and I say, you're not in market. What can I say to you that you're going to care about? And then I take the 20% that is in market, but they separate into all of these different ways, right? So like there are going to be people that see their problem and their solution perfectly suited for Tulio. That's probably like 2%, right? Like, so I've got two people that I'm emailing out of a hundred that are going to resonate with a message. Like, I don't really want to email 98 people to I don't want to piss off 98 people to sell to. Like I, I would rather focus on like what tactics can I use in my marketing mix in order to talk to those two people in a more meaningful way and like really focus energy there than focus energy on people who have a pain point, but don't necessarily see solving it 
the way that Twilio does, helping educate them, as opposed to ever communicating with the 80% of people that are just going to get annoyed at my message. Um, and that's what I feel like nurture does a lot of, right? Like, oh, you hit my website once. So like, now I'm going to nurture you by explaining my product more to you and guessing at what your pain is. Um, mm -hmm. and I just don't like it. So like, if I'm not going to do that, I've already got a solution for my web forms, which is Webflow. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I need it. I can query Salesforce as a database. So I'm a little, um, I'm a little down on marketing automation right now. And I'm sort of picking on them. Um, because I think given the amount of YouTube videos that are in the world of me advocating for Marketo, um, I, I think that's the one that most people are curious about, but I, I just don't, I don't know that I'm, I'm at this point with the kinds of things that I want to do at Tulio and prioritize. I don't know that that's first, right? Like we're, we're really focused on building a community of um, merchandise planners. They don't have anywhere to go from what I can tell right now. There's a lot of talk in retail about marketing, sales, customer focused, uh, focused technologies, which by all means they should be right. Like how to optimize um, your e-commerce experience, all of those sorts of things are very, very valid. Um, but it has kind of left the merchandise planners in the lurch and they don't, they don't have a really strong community. So as I'm thinking about technology, I'm thinking more about ways to measure my advocates, ways to really foster a great community. Um, and tech, those are technologies that I, I am not very experienced in. So um, I think the, again, the fun thing about marketing is like, it's constantly changing and how you approach the market and your promotion of a business at a new position can always change. And that's what I love about it. Yeah, no, I agree. It can always change. Um, it's everything in marketing always changes too. It's one of the things that I personally love about marketing is always having to be on top of what's next, the new release, everything else that's happening. So I have one more question for you today because um, I know we're coming up on our time. But with this being the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast, one of my favorite questions to ask is, in your opinion, what is something that's made way too overly complex in Demand Gen that you think could actually be way simpler and why? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I told you I would think about this, but I don't know that I, I necessarily have an answer. I think the, the simple answer is, I think, attribution, right? Like, I think people spend way too much time focused on the nitty gritty of attribution. And there's other ways that, that you can do that. But I also think, I guess, just to answer it in a kind of different way, like to me, the thing that not enough people talk about in demand generation is the, the optionality and the psychology of like what you're really trying to achieve. So like, you know, one of the things that I did, I took a break between jobs. And one of the things that I did was I read, um, made to stick or make it stick. I can never remember, but it's by the Heath brothers. Um, and it's all about storytelling, right? And so it's just a re, a re, what is it? Like a reinforcing of like what marketing is, right? So I think a lot of times in demand or just in marketing in general, people get really tactical and they start talking about like what channels are performing and blah, 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 blah. But like the reality is, is that like a lot of what ends up working or not about marketing is like the story that you're telling, right? So like, if you are sending emails that say like, Hey, come take a demo of my product. I think it's the best thing ever. 
it's going to get a very different reply than you starting an email with like, it was a cold Sunday morning and she woke up in a sweat. Is my spreadsheet column do, doing the calculation it needs, right? Like, like, so you could say, you could look at that and go, email doesn't work or those ads don't work or whatever. But the reality is, is like, maybe your message just fucking sucks, right? Like you're comparing things like everything is equal when buying is not a rational exercise. And there can't be more data on the fact that like people do not buy what makes sense. They buy emotionally. Is Drift the best chatbot in the world? Probably not. I don't actually even know all of the other competitors, but like probably not, but people buy it all the time and do not compete. And they don't compete in a lot of their sales cycles because their marketing is great. So like, I think to some extent, yes, channels is important and all of those things, but like, you've got to make sure your story is something people give a shit about. Yeah, no, totally spot on. 100% agree with you on that. Um, so Andrea, thank you so much for joining me on this conversation. Today's been absolutely amazing. Um, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts and your insights. Yeah, I, I'm sorry we only got through three questions. You get me on a, you got me on a roll. You know what? Um, we went I through the important ones. <laughs> I appreciate you so much, Andrea. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. If you found this episode valuable, please do not forget to subscribe. Thanks and see you next time.